Hello, everyone, and welcome to the SBK Betting Podcast, the Jumps Preview, the one you've all been waiting for. It w- will be your go-to guide to the National Hunt season. And what makes this podcast even better is that we're going to do our best to keep it to under an hour to ensure you know exactly what is coming. And uh, we're going with a tried and tested format, so you have something for every division. And on top of that, we have got Ross Miller and Tom Collins. And uh, pleasingly, we'll be able to remind you both uh, Tom and Ross of the, the good things were on earth this time last year because there were some satisfying moments last season and if you have been listening to this podcast you would have enjoyed themself too but if you're a new listener uh, this is uh, your go-to as I said to the 2023-2024 jump season we also one rule to make this a little bit different to the normal previews you've probably listened to is that we do not want horses that won at the Cheltenham Festival this year. So we've made Ross and TC work hard. They've had to think outside the box and they've had to come up with something that essentially you haven't heard before because these can get repetitive, but we promise you one thing, that we are not going to be like everyone else. So without further ado, we're going to begin with the novice hurdlers to follow and uh, I found it difficult to decide who I'm going to start with, but maybe only just TC gets in front because he gave his selections a whole day before Ross. He's been chomping out the proverbial bits to get going. And uh, maybe a bit like what we did with Ross this season on the flat, we're going to convert our resident flat man into a proper jumps man. So what have you got for us from the novice hurdle division? Yeah, well, I spent all of Sunday, we are recording this on Tuesday evening. I spent all of Sunday uh, prepping for this because... I've been thick and involved in, in the flat season for the last six months, whether that be UK or US. So basically, I've forgotten every single jump source on the planet except for the obvious. And as you say, the rule is not to mention the obvious. So a lot of work went in, but that's why the selections got in early doors. Two novice hurdlers to follow um, this season. I had to go through a few stable tours. I looked through some point-to-point form and some bumper form. These two were the two that, st- that stood out for me. Now, before I mention the first horse, I actually went in and watched a replay of this horse, but with the mindset of watching it for the winner, which was a horse called Predator's Gold. Now, I was hoping that I was going to be really taken by his performance, trained by Willie Mullins, and that I was going to put him up as my novice hurdler to follow. Having watched the replay, he wasn't even the one that really caught my eye. So I had to, you know, go off course a little bit. I decided not to put up, up Predator's Gold, but put up the horse who finished fourth which is called Farland. Now, this horse has subsequently moved to Paul Nichols as well, which makes him even more interesting. Um, He was very green in the race, super keen as well, but he stayed on powerfully in the closing stages. And it was crucial in my eye that he was sent off favourite for a a trainer that's not very well known uh, for winners under rules. So they quite clearly knew he had plenty of talent. He finished the race off well. He was only beaten around two lengths by a horse in Predator's Gold, who, as I say, has a nice profile. So I think the form is going to stack up. Now, I did read subsequently a stable tour from Paul Nichols, and he said that Farland won't be out until around Christmas time. So you have got a month or two to wait before we see him under rules. But I think he's got a copious amount of potential, and he's definitely one to follow for the new year. The second horse is Jericho de Repine. Now, unfortunately for me and for you guys, if you are following these uh, selections, he's already high up in the betting for the Supreme Novices Hurdle. I think he's around 18 to 1 at the moment, maybe sixth or seventh favourite. But in my opinion, based on his point win, he could easily be Nicky Henderson's best uh, novice hurdler this term. Uh, This horse beat a runner called the other Mozzie by 11 lengths in his point. The other Mozzie subsequently come out and finished second on bumper debut uh, for Gavin Cromwell. And I think that was a pretty good race as well. Um, Nicky Henderson's already stated his love for this horse. He's got a nice jumps pedigree. 
And he, he just looks like the type of horse that Henderson does exceptionally well with. We haven't seen him so far, and I don't think he's got any entries at this stage. But Jericho de Repine is another horse to follow, as well as Farland. OK, thank you. So two, interestingly, novice hurdlers from TC from based in the UK. So we've got uh, champion trainer Paul Nichols and Nicky Henderson, who, um, uh, you know, we know what he can do when he unearths some young younger horses. But um, Ross knows and we all know uh, very well that um, there is one country that absolutely excels in this division. So I'd be surprised if you haven't got something from across the sea. And uh, I say in general, Ross, is this a division that you get really excited about? that really gets your gears going and the novice hurdles the ones that you you really look forward to seeing a bit like you do with your with the juveniles the two-year-olds and the flat season yeah I like the novice hurdlers and I, I really like the novice chasers but I thought there was a, a good crop of um, bumper horses last year coming into novice hurdlers this year so I got it down to just a shortness of form afraid um, but it did say horses on the on, on the brief not just horse um, so again two from the UK two from Ireland uh, Paul Nichols certainly has one one for me um, I was at Aintree uh, on the day of the um, grade, graded bumper um, I thought Centara was just mad keen through that race um, I was actually surprised he lasted as long as he did, then got hampered turning in. Um, and uh, Harry Cobham's got many great qualities, but uh, his ability to look after a horse when it's beaten is, is sort of up there for me. Pulled him up, saved him for another day. Uh, his Taunton win before Aintree was really impressive. I think he's a free-going horse, bags the pace. So Centara might not be one for the, for the spring festivals, but I think he'll win plenty of races in the meantime. Um, Favour and fortune for Alan King. I actually quietly fancied him. Well, not so quietly. I told you guys about it on the on the podcast for the champion bumper. He'd been wicked impressive in, in two bumper wins um, before the champion bumper. And he sort of fell apart in the in the champion bumper itself. Maybe it was a slightly softer ground. His, his best form would come on good ground or whether it was just the occasion. And Alan King wasn't in great form at that time of the year. Um, he's come out and absolutely bolted up um, at Hereford on his on his hurdle debut. The form is perhaps not worth all that much, but he absolutely slammed them. Unusually for a Trevor Hemmings coloured horse, uh, he's got bags and bags of pace. We tend to think of them as stayers, but this looks like a really quick horse. So again, might sort of be found wanting when it comes to the festivals. But uh, in, in the short term, I think Favour and Fortune will win plenty of his hurdles. Then two from Ireland uh, and two for Willie Mullins. It's for me really disappointed me in, in the bumper. I thought he was going to win that um, and just didn't. And then slightly went apart in Punchestown as well. But he was far too keen on both occasions. I think you can forgive that. Maybe with a hurdle in front of him, he'll he'll shape much better. Um, and I think he's got untold potential. And then one that's, that's perhaps just got forgotten a little bit because of recency bias. Redemption Day was really, really good uh, as, a, as a bumper horse back in 2022. Um, he actually beat Music Drive, who's now rated 127, and he got within half a length of uh, Basal Vega at the Punchestown Festival. He had missed the last season because of injury. He's back now, and I think he, he'll take all the beating uh, in plenty of his hurdles in Ireland this season. Okay, so two from Ireland and two for from a UK perspective for for Ross. So just repeat that: Santara, Favour and Fortune, It's for Me, and Redemption Day. And I suppose you know it is a it is a a division that is is wealthy in terms of um, options and uh, trying to find the ones that might just go a study under the radar can be difficult. Farland and Jericho do Repine uh, for TC. I've got a couple to add as well. And again. Um, 
you know, obviously it's a uh, um, must be a, an exciting time for the the Hemmings family um, because I'm going to add another one in their colours. Bowen's Park is a horse that I was really taken by when he ran a, a very eye catching race in the Aintree Bumper. He was very very keen, um, but he began his his new season over hurdles in, in brilliant fashion. He backed off the boards. He, he runs for Henry Daly, who I wouldn't it would say probably that's early enough for Henry Daly novice hurdler to come out. He's going to be a better chaser definitely, but I'll be interesting to follow him. And in the name of this game of this is horses to follow, not necessarily horses to win at Cheltenham, but these are horses to follow to see how they progress and strengthen up. And I'm hoping that Bowens Park will do so. A horse that might be a little bit more obvious will be brighter days ahead for me, for uh, a mare, for uh, the Gordon Elliott team um, in the Gig and Sound Colours. She's a horse that's very well bred. She's already done plenty this season. She's won twice, including a graded race. And they obviously think a lot of her, but she's clearly very forward too. Um, it's going to be an interesting division, that 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 mare's novice division, as, as Willie Mullins always gets his horses out a bit later. But she's one that just looks so streetwise for her age. And um, I'm hopeful that she'll continue on progressing, um, which she already has done this season. So a good lot, good selection of novice hurdlers to follow um, this season um, and uh, we'll move on quickly now from the novice hurdlers to the novice chasers to follow and actually if you look back at um, I suppose um, Cheltenham is, is a good yardstick to how well our novice chasers did compared to the Irish you know we had um, the real whacker uh, stage star um, didn't do too badly and um, I think the Irish novice chasers are always seen to be the the ones that always take the beating in this respect so we're interesting to find out what Ross and TC have have got Ross maybe I'll start back with you and maybe in the same vein how did you how did you view or review your the the, the top level novice hurdlers coming into the, this division or even the horses that have are switching from um a couple of years over hurdles and are now beginning life over fences yeah, that's exactly it. And we've had a couple stay hurdling that I, I thought might have uh, gone chasing. Um, and we've obviously got the couple from the Supreme are now coming chasing. I think that's too hard to, to, to split them. Fassar Vega um, should make up into a into a better chaser. But I think the Arkles are a, a muddy picture. So I've steered away from that. Um, a horse that I did like last season and perhaps failed to go on from what he achieved in early season race was Blood Destiny. I thought he looked like a really smart prospect in juvenile hurdles. He's not a flat rat in that he's by good, uh, no risk at all. Um, so he's, he's got a jumping pedigree, big sized horse, just went apart in, in, in the triumph hurdle at Cheltenham. It was sort of inexplicably bad run and then didn't really fare an awful lot better at Punchestown when beaten at odds on. Um, but I think it's interesting they go straight over fences with him as a four-year-old. Certainly got the scope for fences. Um, and on the back of that early season form, um, he's certainly above average. I think he'll stay well. He might be one for two mile four, might even make up into a Turner's horse later in the season. But I'm certain that he'll get back on track now over fences and uh, I expect to see plenty of him. And then a horse that I gave a mention for, for the Albert Bartlett at a big old price last year. And he, and he ran really disappointingly. And I was actually quite heartened to, to read that the yard had quietly fancied him as well. It's Chianti Classico for um, Kim Bailey. Uh, he made his chase debut at Chepstow back last month. Um, I'm always slightly cautious of this, got the, the scope to make a better chaser, the frame to make a better chaser. For me, jumping is an awful lot more about than just brute uh, force strength. Um, and he did run on down to the first fence and slightly ran into the bottom of it. And I did wonder what he was going to make of the rest of the round. But he learned plenty from that mistake at the first fence and jumped from fence to fence. David Bass, 
was absolutely electric on him up the home straight. He rode him like he was a seasoned handicap chaser, throwing him at fences. And every time he asked, Chianti Classico came for him and he ran out a very wide margin winner at Chepstow. At the third there, Inch House has run out an impressive winner at Newbury himself. Since then, Chianti Classico beat him hollow. Uh, I think he's got plenty more scope left in him yet. Uh, he's apparently going to be out at Ascot next week. I think he could make up into a, into a really smart novice chaser. He's got unlimited stamina, so you could look at perhaps the uh, National Hunt chase, or they might just try and mind him and uh, sneak him into the Ultima. Either way, I think he's a really smart prospect and uh, from a yard that perhaps goes a bit under the radar. What did you make of his uh, first start? Loved it. Absolutely loved it. I mean, I, I, like I said, I was a bit concerned when he ran on down to the first because he sort of got into the bottom of it and didn't make a great shape. But from there on in, he popped away nicely. And then when David Bass really asked him up the straight, you know, he was he was pretty. I mean, David Bass is a, is a really nice jockey to watch when it's going well, but he doesn't sort of leave anything in the locker. He, he puts it all out there and he certainly asked him for some pretty adventurous strides up the home straight, but clearly had every faith in, in, in the horse that uh, he was going to come from and he duly did. Okay, okay. So, Blood Destiny and Chianti Classico for, for Ross, novice chases to follow. And I suppose that question that I asked Ross, and I, I know I'm going to ask you this, TC, because I know what horse you've got. Um, the kind of classic uh, novice hurdler into novice chase division, or the classic, um, you know, been doing it round the block over hurdles for a few time type of horse. That's what we expect to see. But I know with your horse, it's. Uh, slightly different, slightly unusual route to novice chasing division. And um, you can tell us why you think that this is obviously a, a good move from the from the camp that um, uh, is responsible for your selection. Yeah, so the horse in question is Fact to File, who hasn't actually run over hurdles. I uh, was last seen running in the champion bumper, finishing second to a dream to share. And I've, I've heard and people have told me uh, that Willie Mullins is planning on sending him straight novice chasing and completely ignoring uh, hurdles, which I think is an interesting move. The whole point of this podcast was to be slightly outside the box. And you'll notice from some of the horses I'm going to mention, especially later on, that I'm going way outside the box in some of these spheres. This one's just a horse that maybe people wouldn't expect to go chasing, haven't seen the news or anything like that. So I thought he'd, uh, I'd bring him up in this section. I've also got an antipost bet. That is the final section of this podcast uh, for the Brown Advisory. So I thought I'd pick a horse that would fit for the Turners. And Factor File is just that. Now, he only lost twice in bumpers, both to a dream to share, finishing second both times. I think a dream to share is a very good horse. Um, and the fact that Factor File could get that close to him on each occasion means that he must be pretty talented in his own right. And also at Cheltenham, he was badly inconvenienced on the run-in. Look, he wouldn't have won the race. A dream to share was by far the best. Uh, and that's not just because I backed the horse. And I'm saying that through uh, a bit of bias. But he was. He was the most talented bumper horse last season. And he kind of proved that at all the big festivals, whereas Factor File was more of a stayer uh, and that two-mile trip wouldn't have been ideal for him anyway. Saying that, being stopped, uh, losing momentum at a crucial stage of a race for a horse who has extra stamina is never ideal. So you can mark up his performance. Willie said that because of his age, they want to go straight novice chasing with him. Again, I think that's a good move. And aside from Paul Nichols, who I think is the best uh, trainer to get these horses to jump in their first season chasing, Willie Mullins has to be second best, in my opinion. And he's going to make sure that Factor File is pinpoint accurate over these fences. He could easily make up into two and a half miler and the Turners looks the ideal spot for him. So, yeah, I'll take Factor File. I don't really love the novice hurdlers from last year anyway. He was just the most intriguing. 
I wonder if it's a case of, you know, Willie Mullins has so many horses in the novice hurdle division that it might actually be sensible to split some of them up and give one a, a roll at the dice at novice chasing and being owned by JP McManus, he's very happy just to get on with whatever his trainer suggests. It's uh, not because he's necessarily a, you know, the age is the reason, but it's also kind of, why not? Why can't you do that? But it's a, it's a funny one when you've seen a horse that's gone from a point to point, back to bumper, now over to uh, fences again. But at least we know, and I suppose that bumper, that uh, point to point form shows that he essentially knows what he needs to do. He doesn't need to be novice hurdling. No, exactly. You don't need to go novice hurdling. You don't need to go the tried and trusted route with every horse. Uh, you know, it's so... It's like inbuilt in all these trainers that you have to go bumper hurdle chasing. Like you just don't. Some trainers ignore the bumper side of things, which is perfectly fine. Uh, and some ignore the hurdling side of things and obviously some ignore chasing as well. But with this horse, I think he's he's got so much potential that the fact they're willing to just chuck away the hurdling career, at, this, at least for this moment in time, must mean that they think he could develop very quickly uh, into one of the best uh, novice chasers. Well, that's what I'm hoping anyway. Yeah, okay, so back to file for TC, uh, Ross, Blood Destiny and Chianti Classico. I've got a couple, um, one that isn't exactly under the radar, but he didn't win at Cheltenham, so that's uh, that counts. Hermes Allen, um, grade one winner in his own right last year when it, when winning the Chalo and, and looked like he had his world at his feet and he was going to be the horse that was going to give um, Paul Nichols a, a novice hurdle victory at the festival. He just couldn't live with the uh, with the others with the Irish horses um, and also Aintree as well but I don't think that's any um, reflection on on his talent and, and what he can do um, I've been really taken by Paul Nichols's uh, novice chases to date so far you know we're, we're recording this in the middle of November and he's already had Stay Away Fay and Nappers Hill absolutely bolt up and show to be very very high class uh, types but Paul Nichols wanted to make it very clear that Hermes Allen coming out could be the best of them all. So if they have set that bar pretty high, Hermes Allen, um, I'd imagine with the class that he probably has over more superior to Stay Away Fair and Appers Hill, we've got something to really look forward to. So he is my um, my runner, my my selection from from a British perspective anyway. And then a horse that I really really enjoyed following last year was In the Pocket for Henry de Promhead and. I thought he ran in a completely the wrong race at the Cheltenham Festival where uh, he ran at fourth, I think it was, in the Supreme. And then he went to Aintree and he won the grade one again over the same trip, that two mile and just half a furlong. But he stayed on really strongly. And uh, I just really liked uh, his attitude. I think he's the kind of horse that you want to see um, attacking fences and really um, using himself nicely. Um, so he's a horse that I'd be, I'd, I just really enjoyed following last year. So wherever he was going to go, whether it was staying over hurdles or going chasing, um, he's, um, he's one that uh, I hope can continue on a good uh, essentially a very high trajectory for Henry de Bromhead so those are my uh, two to add to the others to keep into your tracker um, we'll then go into what must be uh, the toughest section of them all because there's one horse and one horse only that sort of is going to rule which is slightly I mean I was if anything gut-wrenched to hear that Constitution Hill is staying over hurdles because I just think that it just doesn't allow for much creativity in terms of what we think he could be, he could be anything and he's just going to keep up a, a route that we've seen has been done before with some of our best hurdlers. But look, this argument can be rolled out for 
for, for weeks and weeks if we wanted to. Um, but we need something to give him to think about. And I hope that there will be trainers that will do so and are going to go into war with Constitution Hill thinking that they've got uh, something um, that uh, will make him think about things or they will just go a route and avoid him. So whatever it might be, um, Ross, what, what did you unearth? What do you think could be uh, a horse that gives Constitution Hill something to think about? Or at least... Are you uh, one of those crazy characters who think that he could have a chink in his armour? No, he's he's got no chink in his armour whatsoever, Jess. And I think if you're training a two-mile hurdler, the best thing you can do is is avoid him, which does make it a bit of a shame for us watching on. But sometimes you just have to marvel at, at one horse in particular, and, and he's spectacular to watch. And we're very fortunate to, to be around in, in his era, really. Um, two that I think will do well in two-mile division, as long as they do avoid him, uh, Another Nicky Henderson uh, trained horse uh, under control, owned by J.P. McManus. I know there's a thread here with uh, with TC selecting as well, but um, she was really progressive in, uh, in in her four starts last season, apart from when running really badly at the um, in the Mayor's Novice at the Cheltenham Festival. But she was massively weak in the market on that occasion, which told you that something wasn't right or she wasn't fancy or didn't have her conditions. But she then made hay on uh, on good ground, culminating with a win at at Sandown, only winning by half a length from Ibirica Lord, but I loved how she travelled into that race. She looks like a really pacey, strong travelling mare, and that was her fourth start in six weeks, which is a very unusual thing for Nikki Henson to do. And I just wonder whether, having actually travelled into the race, those those runs perhaps told, and she didn't find as much off the bridle. Either way, I think in a better race, her ability to travel so well, it'll stand her in good stead, and I think she's uh, got plenty more to give yet. And then another one, and it is difficult for juveniles coming into what's known as a sort of the tricky second album, you know, coming from juvenile into open company. Um, but I really like what Bo Zenith did at, at Aintree. I know TC had been quite sweet on him, I think, for the for the triumph, and he didn't go there. He went to went to Stratford and won an egg and spoon race instead. But won very impressively, uh, came to Aintree, travelled very powerfully through the race, and battled all the way to the line just to be beaten by a very smart Billy Willie Mullins Zenta. Um, I'd be really interested to see him on a, on, a, on a stiffer track. I think he's a strong traveller, but I think he stays very well at this trip. Gary Moore's horses tend to improve their jumping with racing. Very rare do I see a, a novice hurdler or a novice chaser of Gary Moore's that I think, wow, that's a, a really smart, slick jumper. They tend to learn on the job a little bit. Bo Zenith might be open to plenty of improvement in that department. And if he is, um, he could shake up... Uh, some of the two mile races uh, if he who shall not be spoken of isn't there <laughs> okay so yeah we'll wonder whether they're going to keep um i mean you can't imagine nikki henderson is going to throw that many horses in a in the same field against constitution hill um so you suppose that under control is going to stay away and avoid that and maybe the mare's roots that she could find but um she is definitely a mare that i think and there are a few Nicky Henderson horses that just underperformed at Cheltenham, bar the obvious. So I do think you could forgive her for that. I thought she was, I think she was a really fascinating horse that uh, unusual for Nicky Henderson to get them going, get them out and about so quickly after their run. So they clearly wanted to unearth and see what she was made of. Um, Ross mentioned that she ran a, in a race where she beat uh, her stable companion, Iberico Lord. And I know, TC, this is a horse that you... Uh, you you were quite fond of or definitely caught your eye at least 
Yeah, well, I am going very left field in this division. I just don't want to take on Constitution Hill at any point. So I decided to not even pick a horse that will take on Constitution Hill. Um, it just seems like a division that's going to be dominated by him all year. But this isn't about the, just the Cheltenham races, as you touched on, all the big festivals. This is about horses to follow throughout the season who could uh, return a healthy profit if you back them consistently. And the horse I've come down on is Iberico Lord, who Ross mentioned finishing second to under control last season. Now, I am technically cheating because this horse probably isn't a two-miler, but the, the one reason why I put him in this category is I think he'll win the Great Wood Hurdle. Um, and if you're looking at odds checker and you see that sea of blue, that's because of me. No, I'm joking. Well, I mean, it might be. It might be because of me, but it probably isn't. Um, I do think he wins that race, though. And, you know, that's over two miles and half a furlong, so technically he's categorised in this division. Uh, he looked super raw last year. He came into his own in the spring winning a race uh, before going to Sandown and finishing second, finished off that event very strongly behind under control and probably would have won in maybe another furlong, half a furlong. He was going two to that horse's one in the final 100 yards, that's for certain. Um, he's going to be a real prospect over two and a half later this season. As I say, the initial targets, the Great Wood, I think a mark of 126 is very lenient. So uh, Iberico Lord, for me, in the two mile, two mile four furlong uh, hurdle uh, category. <laughs> Okay, so if you're listening to this podcast beyond this weekend, which is 17th, 18th of, of November, where's Iberico Law going to go after the Greatwood? I don't know. You know what, though? I do think he'll be very good in over two and a half. But the thing with him is he, he doesn't have that much natural pace throughout, throughout the race, but he finishes off his uh, contest over two miles very strongly. So Nicky could easily come back to two miles or even stick to around two miles uh, later in the season because that fast early gallop, um, in big field handicaps or, or whatever division, uh, whatever uh, class, sorry, he's running in at that point in the season um, will really suit him. So there is a chance that he will stick in this kind of sphere, but you never know. OK, well, he's rated 126 at the moment. Could develop into a kind of a bet for a hurdle horse, potentially, maybe, uh, where you've got to stay up the hill at least. So we love that. We know that Nicky Henderson loves that race as well. So um, a lot of food for thought. And that's why you listen to this, because we, we want something for everything. It's all about the weeks in and around um, the big festival days as well. So um, America Lord for TC, Ross for Bo Zenith and Under Control, um, horses that all sort of link it within each other, but most likely to be missing out Constitution Hill. And um, yes, if you're a racing fan, you can just watch and enjoy that. Right, we'll move into the Stairs Hurdle um, division. Again, very open um, year on year. It's a, a, a right old puzzle. And I think that... Um, probably is the trickiest one in terms of going back years on years year on year how we've done here um i'll start with i'll start with utc is there a horse that you think because we see the horses like this chip up every year and it might be their year it might not be their year and they might still be sort of working out how to actually stay three miles you know we've seen the likes of of paisley park just sort of come back and and, and, and able to do it but is there one that you think that's just sort of sort of getting there and this is their year to shine? Not really. Um, this is the only <laughs> section that I'm going to be downbeat on the whole podcast. So I do apologise for the next 30 seconds. Uh, but I have no love for this division whatsoever. I mean, bring back Big Bucks and Ingalls Driva because they were proper horses. Look, I don't think there's been a great horse since. No offence to Paisley Park and Connections or any others that have won in the staying hurdle division since uh, the likes of Big Bucks. But it's been a slog. Um, you know, for the horses and for the, the viewers, it hasn't been great. Um, look, I, I, again, found it very difficult to even 
bring up any horse in any positive light here as one to follow for, through the year. Obviously, there are some good stalwarts. I'd love to be involved with some of these horses. And, you know, I wish them all the best. But as a follower of racing, I'm not going to be sticking any of these in my tracker. That is full stop. The one horse that I'm going to mention is Home by the Lee. Just because I thought he was very good around Christmas time last season. He was unlucky uh, at Cheltenham in the Stairs Hurdle. Made a bad mistake on the first circuit just as they passed the winning line um and uh finished fifth i think in the race wasn't beaten too far so he could be a horse that you know does well around christmas time uh and then goes to the stairs hurdle about 10 to 1 and runs a place but other than that i have nothing really to uh mention here jess okay not much love for this division um no offense to take into all those uh three mile horses that are listening to this race uh listen <laughs> listening to this podcast um yeah the likes of side to Burley, you know he got to hand it to the horse like he just does it when he needs to it's it's amazing and, and a massive prices as well um is he a horse is that kind of also a horse that you warm to ross or are you are you hoping to find something new and to to really bring some life to this division no we we need something new and we need some life don't we much as i love old old paisley park and i was very tempted just to put him in the whatsapp group just to see your reaction um but <laughs> um it it does need shaking up uh I thought it was interesting reading some of the stable tours that Willie Mullins was flitting between what he was going to do with Sigarhard and if he jumped badly, he might go back hurdling. He fell at the weekend, but he actually jumped far better than he had done previously, maybe a little bit low. Um, they're quite taken by his handicap mark, I think, to try and go and perhaps win a, a big pot over fences. But it wouldn't be beyond the realms that uh, he comes back to uh, stay as hurdles just a year too late for, for TC. Um but I, I have got one, and it's from France, and it's Thelem, who is an absolute machine around or toy, um, barely gets beaten in, in graded races over three miles, obviously on soft testing ground. Um, but they've made noises that they'd like to come over for the stay. It's actually British owned. Um, and straight away, you think, oh, it's going to get taken off its feet on, on spring ground. But actually, it had the, the, the pace to, to place second over one mile two on the fibre stand as a three-year-old. One and uh, placed over two mile two at Autoy. Um, and is by sidestep, who is a, a six furlong group winning Australian sprinter. So there is hope there that uh, he might not be quite as ground dependent as we all think. And of course, plenty of young horses come across from France having raced on soft ground at Autoy and, you know, mop up the Triumph Hurdle and the Supreme Novices and all those sort of races for Willie Mullins at all. Um, so I don't think it's a given that he needs desperate ground. I think he'll perhaps come over once early in the year to, to get a bit of a sighter. And if that goes well, he might well be a lively springer for the stayers. Okay, yeah, having a look at the The, the owner's colours reminded me of Hurricane Fly colours, but they're not. But you say that they are they are English-based? Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, the, I know the sun... Uh, is a friend of a friend of a friend is, is Stephen, I think. Um, but uh, that's all I can give you. And it's Stephen, <laughs> well, that not sounds, Stefan. That sounds pretty English to me. Well, well you look through his uh, race record, Thelem, he's uh, a six-year-old, but wow, they've, he's been on the go. 18, 18 rules races and he's won 10 out of 18. Um, uh, a majority, if not all of them, been at a toy. And we know that the French are happy to do that. Um, remind me, remind me quickly of who won the, um, who was the, the, the big the big shot that they had coming into the stairs this year who won the um the trial race gold tweet gold tweet gold tweet so that and that and they were very keen and confident i just didn't go right but i don't think that that's a horse that should be 
completely forgotten about. I think he didn't he didn't get the run he didn't the race didn't pan out as he wanted it to. Um but um you know I think that gave them the impetus. They enjoyed it so much the 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 French bringing the horses over that it it might be we'll see a few more um uh, coming coming over over the course of this season. Okay, so um home by the Lee and Thelem, one from France. And um, we'll move on quickly to the two mile chases to follow. And um, sad and and disappointing about Enegamine. We'll not see be seeing him. Um it overall, Ross, I'll ask you first, what do you make of this division? It's weak, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, particularly with Enegamine gone. Um and of course you can't mention Al Fabiolo because he was a a winner at Cheltenham last year. But that said, um, watching it back and, and watching John Bond's back catalogue back, I'm just not sure he was anywhere near his best at, at Cheltenham in the Arkle. Um, Aidan Coleman is battling back from a, from a very bad knee injury. And if you follow me on Instagram, that the, the work he is going through is just incredible. Um, and I, I wish him all the best, but I don't think he was at his best on him at, at uh, Cheltenham and I don't think he was his best name at Aintree when it was a, a bit of a gimme and I think he sort of was almost in the mindset of just getting round and he'll win and as a consequence he made some quite fiddly errors but in the celebration chase at Sandown which again pretty unusual for Nicky Henderson to go from Aintree to Sandown with a with a pretty smart novice um, into open company he looked much better took a while to warm up to his jumping but down the back he was really good stayed on very powerfully the bare form beaten Captain Guinness just about four lengths, he'll need to step up on that to, to get up into open grade. But I thought the way he jumped there and the way he stayed perhaps just opened their eyes so that they could ride him a bit more aggressively. Uh, if Aidan Coleman doesn't get back, I'd be interested to see Nick de Bourneville on him. And I, I feel a bit guilty saying that because I think Aidan Coleman is fighting back for one horse and one horse only, and it is John Bon. Um, of course, Nicky Henderson and Jacob Manis aren't going to listen to me and give Nico the ride. But I think Nico is unparalleled when it comes to positioning a horse at a fence particularly on two-mile chases, um, and I'd, I'd be really excited to see what he could do. So I've not given up yet that John Bond might yet shake Al Fabiolo up. Yes, as it is the uh, Can't Mention a Cheltenham Festival winner podcast, um, we can't use Al Fabiolo, but John Bond, um, it'll be, it's interesting. He's another one that maybe they might think about toying with going a little bit further as well. I don't know necessarily if that is in their mindset immediately, but you think he's going to at least start... Um, where will it be in the in the Tingle Creek cross? Yeah, he's he's entering the Schleur, isn't he? But I think Tingle Creek is perhaps where they'll where they'll look to go. And I just think if 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 they can find his jumping a little bit more, that's his weapon. And it's Al Fabiolo's perhaps slight Achilles heel that he can miss one. And I think maybe if you rode him and used your jumping to pressurise Al Fabiolo's, that might just be the turning around of it. But it is a, a fairly big might, I know. Yeah, so maybe a slightly underwhelming division in that we've had been spoilt for choice over the years gone by, the likes of Altior, Sprint Sacra, and, you know, we thought maybe one day the likes of Constitution Hill could live in this, or um, at least they only were going to go chasing if he was going to become a Gold Cup horse. So the two-mile chase division has probably been whacked a little bit of a sort of what's so good about it after all type of type of message, especially by Nicky Henderson earlier on in the season, as that's why Constitution Hill isn't going to go this route. So potentially there's a, there's a window opening for another horse just to show what they're made of, or at least if they're not going to be Cheltenham bound, they're going to be able to take some of the other two mile uh, chase races. Is there something that is lurking that's a a little bit left to center for UTC? 
Well, if you take out El Fabiolo and John Bond, the two horses that we've already mentioned in good detail, it is a very weak uh, division. And I found it difficult to come up with another horse who is going to be uh, a bona fide uh, challenger in these grade one races at the big festivals, aside from those two. So I thought I'd cheat again. And by cheat, what I mean is just not go by the brief whatsoever, um, because uh, this is obviously the two mile chasing division. But my horse is probably a two and a half miler. Uh, I'm just throwing it out there. But I've gone for a mare called Nurse Susan. Um, Look, she probably isn't going to run over two miles, but her best form so far has been over that trip, which is why I thought she might uh, just have a little bit of a loophole and go in this category. She's a six-year-old. She hasn't run since March 2022, so 20 months. She was off the whole of last season. But I know that she's very well regarded by trainer Dan Skelton. Um, she was only beaten twice uh, last year by Love Envoy, who is subsequently a two-time grade one placed mare, obviously good form. Uh, she was also beaten by a horse with no name, fantastic dual purpose performer who won at Royal Ascot and Grongi, who is a horse who's been a bit up and down in her career for Winnie Mullins, but, you know, has a lot of talent. Um, prior to that, Nurse Susan was also behind Love Envoy, again, boosting that form. The fact that Dan Skelton wants to keep her around and, you know, hasn't retired her after what I can only imagine was a pretty bad injury to keep her off for the whole season and 20 months in total suggests they still think this uh, mare has got a lot of potential to do well uh, over fences and, Look, she's a scopey type. If you watch some of the replays, you'll see that she's not a hurdler. Uh, she is a chaser in the making. And I think she has an entry at Exeter on Monday. That, what date would that be? That would be the 20th of November. Um, that's over two mile three furlongs. So as I say, she probably doesn't fit in this category. But I'm not looking for a Saturday horse here. I'm looking for a horse that will win on a wet and windy Warwick or, you know, an Exeter during the week and rack up a sequence. And Nurse Susan is just that. Okay, you're a bit like our your very own Rishi Sunak finding loopholes to get politicians Jess, into their cabinet. Don't ever compare Rishi Sunak again. What is going on? <laughs> it's only because I that when you said loophole, I thought about how bizarre yeah. it is that David Cameron's are now appearing in in <laughs> in politics, and you're finding your own loopholes to get horses that don't deserve to be in these podcasts in the podcast. <laughs> but we'll love it. We'll take it as long as they win. Um, that's all that seems to matter. So that's Nurse Susan for the two mile chase, um, division and John Bond for, for Ross. Now we're going to move quickly into the dark horse to follow because this was the section that last year really delivered the goods. And, um, I don't know if it will be, uh, something that TC and Ross will remember, um, which ones that they had picked. Um, maybe that they, maybe it is sort of in top of their head because it lives fondly in their memory, but, Ross, you're nodding. Was there one that you were particularly pleased that you included in this section last year? Yeah, I think Fugitive popped up in this section last year, didn't he? And he, he did me really well. Um, and I, I enjoyed enjoyed following him. Um, I think he's a horse with still more to give as well. He's, by all accounts, heading to the Paddy Power Gold Cup this weekend. Um, Mr. Hinchy, the owner, is doing a rain dance. Um, he's in good form. So I'm excited to see him step on even further this year. And I think he's a horse that will perhaps stay a bit further too. Yeah, Fugitive went up, what, 20-odd pounds in the handicap. He was such a, a legend for his connection. So, yeah, Fugitive for us. Now, TC, he's nodding along. He can remember something that had a big, big win. Um, not or, not during Cheltenham as well. What was yours? I think it was Il Rodoto, um, who actually beat Fugitive at Cheltenham in January last year. But <laughs> nice little link there. Um, but <laughs> I, that was the only time last season that I didn't actually tip him in our weekly podcast. So whether I can claim him as being the long-term fancy and then and not actually tipping him when he won, I don't know. But I definitely mentioned him in this category. 
Okay, well, I think maybe the Shadow Spoils Ghost Fugitive is, is, a, is a great horse to be in within this dark horse to follow. So for that reason, Ross, what have you got for us this season? Well, I've, I've got four that, that hit on TC's um, sort of, you know, weekday horses. And I think that's really important to stress. We get very wound up about small fields on weekends. There's loads of really good racing. Uh, during the week you can watch Jess nearly every day on racing tv you know try try and steal a steal a break and watch it on your phone you know, there's there is no excuse i've got four that perhaps fit into the into that mold um the first is kerry lee train pimlico point um he was a little bit disappointing in his final two starts last year but on his first novice hurdle start he was really impressive beating super survivor and autonomous cloud they're now both rated 130. he's going novice chasing he's a son of fleming's first the usual blah blah of the size and scope to make a chaser providing his brain links to his his feet adequately he's off a mark of just 118 he was entered up last week and, and there was a non-runner because the ground went quick at hereford he's in at exeter on monday so that might be a nice day for the for the podcast uh, sbk uh, whatsapp group um i think he's going to make up into a much much better chaser than hurdler if he does uh, he's going to make hay off a mark of 118 then ala philippe who came within a hair's breadth of giving Fergal O'Brien his first Cheltenham Festival winner in the 2022 per temps final, got collared on the line. Um, he missed a year with injury, came back uh, over fence at Carlisle um, in a really good novice chase behind good risk at all. And uh, Giovinco tipped up in that race. He got outpaced at a crucial stage, stayed on really well over two mile four. He's a three mile horse out and out, mark of 137. Now I think they'll find plenty to do with him this season. Uh, Bally Breeze for Sam Drinkwater was really impressive winning at uh, Chepstow. Um, the second horse is rated 120. He beat him hollow. He won in a canter. Third horse is rated 112. He was 20 lengths something back. Um, then went to the Arkle, which I think was sort of tilting at windmills, quite honestly. They were there for the day out. And then from there went to Market Raisin, was cantering all over them as far as I was concerned and tipped up three out. He's off a mark of uh, just 120, and I think he's probably the best handicap chaser in the country. And then one final one for, for Kim Bailey, a horse that I saw win his point-to-point for the posts, uh, Salt Rock. Really, really in gorgeous, impressive-looking horse. I was really excited to see him in his uh, bumper last year, and he absolutely bombed out big time, finished last uh, at Warwick. Um, I actually spoke to Matt Nichols, who's assistant trainer to Kim Bailey. They said they found a few problems after that. They've ironed them out. He's had a wind up. His work is looking really good and he should be good to go in a couple of weeks. TC, take it away. What have you found for us? Yeah, I've got two in this category. Both do actually fit in here. Uh, the first is Mr. Meggett. Um, he's a son of Shantu who was bought for 62000 back at the horse and training sales in 2021. But he didn't make his uh, rules debut until just last week, um, where he was sent off a rather short 11-4 to shot for John Joe O'Neill in what looked to be a good novice hurdle as well. Uh, either the bookmakers are finally catching on the John Joe O'Neill, who we will get to in due course, uh, is a trainer to follow or uh, connections really like this animal. And I think it might be the latter in this case. Uh, Mr. Meggett travelled strongly from the outset. He moved through the race brilliantly, uh, stretched clear in the closing stages to beat what I think is a pretty good horse back in second, uh, trained by Fergal O'Brien, firmly on the snaff. Um, you know, he wasn't asked for maximum effort by any means, but he got the job done very nicely. And I think John Joe O'Neill could be set for a big year with this horse, Mr. Meggett. The other one is definitely a, a dark horse. That is Lowry's Bar. Um, he won a maiden hurdle at Wing Canton for Philip Hobbs and Johnson White. He jumped well throughout in that race as well. He was briefly outpaced between the last two uh, by a horse that's trained by Paul Nichols, who is a very good prospect called Panjari. 
who I think was a listed winner in Germany prior to coming uh, to the UK. So the fact that he outpaced Lowry's bar was no real surprise, given he has that proven flat speed. But what was key is that Lowry's bar actually fought back in the closing stages and got his head uh, in front of the line. And that wasn't because Panjari was slowing either. Lowry's bar was quickening. Um, I think he's a, a very nice prospect for middle to, to longer distances, maybe towards this season, but definitely into next year. So Lowry's bar, a bit of a dark, more of a dark horse. Mr. Meggett could be a Saturday horse this year. OK, love it. I did see Mr. Meggett um, run. I thought that, that <laughs> you couldn't not be taken um, by him. And uh, yeah, two um, interesting sorts, Mr. Meggett and Lowry's Bar for TC. I've got a couple, again, trying to think really outside the box with the first one. Supremely West for Dr. Richard Newland, who um, is a trainer who's had probably a smaller string of uh, jumpers than he, than he once did. Um, but they've started this season off in great form, um, especially uh, several of them being off um, for a long time. This horse is interesting. He began um, running in, in bumpers in March time. So he, we hadn't seen him for a good period of time over the winter. And he was, ran quite quickly in succession. Um, his first run of the hurdles, he really didn't jump well at all. And they've obviously done a good bit of schooling with him. And he's now come back and won two novice hurdles, stepping up and trip quite nicely last time out only a few days ago um, to win um, both novice hurdles and one under a penalty. So he's a horse that could just turn into quite a nice handicapper. He's got a rating of 121. And, you know, he won't be in the, the sort of fancy type races, but he just might just go a little bit more unnoticed. Um, and um, I thought he he's definitely improved um, for a summer off. And the other one is a, a three-year-old who'll be a juvenile now go goes to go switches from the flat into uh, into jumps company and this is golden move for Paul Nichols he's the son of golden horn I saw him at the horses in training cell where he made huge money 210,000 for a horse in training is it's, it's an awful lot for me but that's what um National Hunt trainers are paying nowadays for these three-year-olds, these well-bred and lovely uh, big types. He's 16-2. He came highly recommended by Richard Farr. He is old trainer. He's a horse that was running very well in, in middle distance races on the flat. And Paul Nichols does well with these types, the likes of Rubo. Um, and we know that uh, um, he would put his money where his mouth is. And I think he bought him on spec that day. So he, he wanted to go to push the budget out to, to buy a horse of this nature. So he is one that will be in the juvenile hurdle division. And I'm looking forward to seeing how he gets on in what I have to say is quite a, a, a tough division nowadays with the likes of Willie Mullins really dominating um, with bringing horses over from France. But Golden Move, I just I, I was really taken by um, as an athlete. So uh, those are dark horses to follow. Um, hopefully we've got something in there that's going to be a lot of fun to follow throughout the course of the season. And I would imagine um, you probably haven't heard of, of them uh, on other podcasts yet. So they're slightly a bit, a bit left of centre. And now we're going to go on to something um, that is also just maybe not what you would hear normally, just... Um, an area of the of the of the national hunt season that could just be um profitable for you um and this is looking at trainers and jockeys to follow for the season and some have really had great years likes of johnny burke and a wonderful year last year he would have been great to follow um but there could be just some trainers and jockeys this year that might just be bring brimming into something a little bit special um tc you mentioned one trainer that you uh that you really uh, had a couple of nice horses that you've included in this podcast so you can tell us a little bit more about why you think he's going to have a, a, a season to remember yeah the trainer in question is John Doe O'Neill and actually 
I've done this podcast or a very similar podcast for the last three years, two for SBK and prior to that one for Racing Post. And in each of the podcasts, we talked about a trainer or a jockey to follow. Uh, and every single time I said John, John and Neil. So I've got the hat trick up now uh, and I'll definitely say him next year as well. Um, now, this guy was known for having uh, very good horses ridden by Tony McCoy back in the day. And then he went through like a five year patch where all of his animals just seemed to get older and older and he didn't have any young new prospects coming in. And it just seemed like he was running horses in veterans races or low grade handicaps. Uh, and it looked like his career was going on a downward trend. But over the last couple of years, he's got some very nice young stock. Mr. Meggett, the, the horse I've just touched on in Dark Horses section, is the prime example of a horse with that kind of profile for John Joe O'Neill that you should follow. And because those horses tackle runners from Nicky Henderson, Paul Nichols, and then when you get to the festivals, Willie Mullins and Gordon Elliott, they're always overlooked. So look out for these John Joe O'Neill uh, young horses, the five and six year olds, especially over. Okay, so John Joe O'Neill for TC. Um, right, what about a uh, a selection from you, Ross? We've got um, you can also have a, a jockey um, to follow as well for the season. So just a trainer to give a mention to is Robbie Llewellyn, who was former assistant trainer to Tim Vaughan, set up on his own. He's he's going along really well, and and what I like about him is he takes horses off other people, improves them, and wins with them. I think that's a, a really good trait to have when you're starting out as a trainer. So certainly follow him. Uh, and then three jockeys for you of the established lot, Gavin Sheehan. I think he's just taken his ride to another level in the last season and a half, operating at a 20% strike rate this season alone. Of course, that harnesses with Jamie Snowden having a, a, a better crop of horses and he gets the pick of them. And then two young jockeys, Elizabeth Gale, uh, still claims £10 for Philip Hobson Johnson White. She's been seen to good effect on Celeb Allen. And then Tapley just this week. Um, Terms to have a knack of getting a horse in the right place, judging her ride nicely, um, and is plenty strong enough to, in the finish and is only going to get neater and tidier. And then another young lad who's based with uh, Tom Lacey is Cameron Isles. He started off on the flat actually with um, Richard Hannon, um, only had a couple of rides, got a bit tall. Um, he's really impressed me. He's neat and he's tidy and he's very, very good to an obstacle. Um, I spoke to Tom Lacey who said he's going to improve with time. He's going to mature as a, as an individual, but he's a really smart horseman, Put goes on all the tricky ones at home and, and they've got high hopes for him. And he was really good on operation manner at the weekend. Okay, Cameron Isles and Elizabeth Gale, along with Robbie Llewellyn and Gavin Sheehan. I'll, I'll have a shout out for Jamie Snowden as well. I think in general, he's got a really exciting bunch of horses, just a better quality of horse than he, he ever has has had um so we'll move on now we've got antipose plays to uh, close this out um and this is a, another reminder of what was thrown out last year tc put up brave man's game for king george so um we give you the opportunity to come up with anything um anything from the Cheltenham festival anything um you know as as competitive as the welsh national or the grand national so um tc what have you got because you mentioned at the top of the show that you've got something for the brown advisory Yes, exactly. Generally, I wouldn't have an anti-post bet for the Cheltenham Festival until just after Christmas when the Le racing in Leopardstown happens. And then I'll have my customary one or two for the Potemps final. But in uh, preparation for this podcast, I hopefully have uncovered a nice one for the Brown Advisory. And that is a horse called Nick Rocket or Rocket, however you want to pronounce his name. Uh, it's currently 20 to 1 for the Brown Advisory. I think that's a very fair price. Now, this gelding won a three mile point at Curramore in October 2021. He beat the likes of Yukon Tango, who's a subsequent three-time winner, uh, Benassi, who's won twice under rules. Both of those now trained by Ollie Murphy. He was also in that race against Arctic Brazil, who made a very impressive hurdling debut for Henry de Bromhead 
winning a 22 runner race over in Ireland last year before things went a bit awry uh, when he was up to in class. Arthur Brazil fell in the race, but I don't think he would have beaten uh, Nick Roquette in that point anyway. The key to mentioning the point is that the fact that he stayed on powerfully in the closing stages over three miles, not just the form in behind looks pretty strong, but also the trip uh, definitely suited. And the fact that he'll be going over three mile, hopefully this year, we'll see him in much better light. Now, last year, he had four runs for Willie Mullins under rules. He won three of them. Very impressive on each occasion. Uh, very good in the grade two at Ferry House in April as well. And I just think he's got all the talent to make his mark at the higher le- highest level. Hopefully he can jump very well. I think he will. He's won a point. Why wouldn't he? Uh, and 20 to 1 just seems very fair for the Brown Advisory at this stage. Yes, as I was going to um, just echo that 20 to 1 for the Brown Advisory. You heard it here first, Nick Rocket, um, the anti post plate for Tom Collins. Okay, Ross, what do you have for us? So I've got a, a soon to happen one and a, and a long range one. So the soon to happen is complete unknown for the Ladbrook Trophy. Um, I think this has got the whiff of a real plot job for, for Paul Nichols. He loves second season chasers going into into the uh, what was the Hennessy. He he ran really well on, on soft and heavy ground last year and then took it to another level um, on good to soft ground behind Jerry Colomb uh, at the Aintree Festival. Um, that ground was almost certainly too lively for him. I liked what he did in his return at Newton Abbott, um, putting away Mai Tai over a fairly inadequate trip. Um, I think this is the plot and uh, providing the rain keeps coming, I think he's got a great chance off the mark of 152 in the Hennessy Ladbroke Coral. Gold Cup. Um, and then one for the for the Cheltenham Festival. Dino Blue really impressed me at Nace at the weekend. Um, I thought she raced quite keenly over two miles. Wasn't given much respite by Sarah Gerhard, pressing her all the way. And then Phil Dore, who'd been ridden really patiently and looked like being ridden very smart to come and pick up the pieces, came to challenge her up the run at Nace, which is stiff enough. And I was surprised that she found as much she did. And she actually pulled away at the death. Um, I think stepping up in trip on better ground is going to suit her. Um, and I think the Mayor's Chase is going to going to take a good one to beat her in that. OK, Dino Blue in the Mayor's Chase, um, along with Complete Unknown for the Hennessy. Right. Um, I am going for a horse that if, if you are a regular listener to this podcast, you know how heartbroken I was. And the fact I was actually just put off jump racing for a long time after seeing Jerry Colon get beat at, at the Cheltenham Festival. But he did get beat, which means that I can use him here for this jumps preview. Um, he uh, is a horse that then went to go and proved himself in, in entry, beating Complete Unknown. Um, in the grade one and then he won on his first start back of the season and what was already one of the races of of the season so far the Ladbrokes champion chase at Down Royal just last week and he was showed how how much he is an out and out stayer I'm really really hoping he's going to develop into a gold cup horse and be the gold cup horse that will um, put uh, Gallop and Deschamps in his place I think he's got the makeup to be a, a horse to to be really excited about and get his revenge back at the Cheltenham Festival after being beaten uh, there last year. He's around about 13 to 2. Um, I'm happily going to take that because I think he has already proved to be bigger and better this season. So I'm really looking forward to seeing him um, come the rest of the rest of the season, whatever the route it might be. So Jerry Colomb to continue on um, from last year for me. Um, that will be my anti-post play. Okay, that is it. We have completed in uh, under an hour. Just, just about done it. Um, I hope that you've enjoyed it. I hope you've you've used all the horses to your in your notes and uh, you've got them in your trackers. We've got plenty in there. And what I'm really pleased to have heard are horses that I've 
have had to relook up. Some don't even have their new trainers as associated down on 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 the relevant uh, racing websites. So that just goes to show how much we've done our work, our homework to sort of unpick some um, new stars for this next season. So the best of luck, enjoy it. Um, don't forget, as always, all new SBK users get thirty pounds of free bets when they sign up and bet ten pounds for the first time. And make sure that you subscribe and like as we will be back every week for our weekly previews. Thank you to Tom and thank you to Ross.